was there the last a couple days, and God was really doing powerful things in the time. And um, But it's good to be here with the rest of us who are here, and I believe God has some really uh, insightful things for us from His Word that He wants to expand our thinking today. We're actually kicking off a new series today that's going to be for the next few weeks called uh, Paradoxes. And how many of you hear people raise the, the objection to Christianity or the Bible that, hey, the Bible is just so full of contradictions? You guys ever heard that? Yeah. Well, that's a very common thing. Now, actually, one of the common reasons, there, there are a couple good responses to that. One is to say, oh, well, could you show me one? Because most people, they just heard that, but they don't actually know what they are. Um, but there are a lot of things in the Bible that, when you read, they, they do seem to, at first blush, contradict themselves. There are things, and that's what a paradox is, two things that seem to be incongruous, that different, but somehow, if you see it at a deeper level, they're true at the same time. And there are many things in the Bible like that. And I, this, this morning, I grabbed a rock from my backyard. This is a paradox, all right? Um, this rock looks really, really slow, right? It's, a rock doesn't move. It's a stationary object, right? Okay, you guys following me? Anyone disagreeing with me? Okay, now if I throw it at you, it will not be a stationary object anymore, and you won't be my friend. <clears throat> but this is a stationary object, but if you could see this on a subatomic level, it's not still. There are tons, and many of you know this much better than I do, but there is so much motion happening inside this rock. The electrons whizzing around at incredible speeds. But when you look at it, you don't see that. And so this rock is still and in motion at the same time. And there are a lot of things like that with God that, you know, it, it takes a, a higher, it, God wants to expand our thinking to see things about him that are true, and things about life that are true, that are kind of beyond the way we, we normally see things at first. One of my favorite verses in Proverbs 25, 2, says it's the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. Now, there's an aspect of God that he hides things. He, he, there's a lot that he makes pretty, pretty stinking obvious. But there's a lot about him that he is that is beyond our, our first initial impression. And he does that on purpose. Um, and, and part of the reason he does that is because he has made people to be, the Bible says we're all called to be kings and priests. We're all called to be rulers in his kingdom. People that come into the world and not just exist, but expand his kingdom through our lives. And there's an aspect of, of kingship that it's the glory of kings to say, no, there's, there, there's something more there. There's something more about God. There's something more about his kingdom than what I, than what I see at first. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to search that out. Um, and the Bible's full of that. There's a, another verse in Proverbs that, that says, um, the two verses stacked on top of each other. One says, if you answer a fool according to his folly, you will be like him. So in other words, if you're interacting with a fool, and they're a foolish person, and you go along with their line of reasoning, then you're a fool like them. So don't answer them according to their folly. But then it says, 
If you don't answer a fool, they'll be wise in their own eyes. The very next verse. And you're like, well, what am I supposed to do? Like, do I answer them or don't answer them? And people say, see, that's proof that the Bible contradicts itself. Well, no, Solomon really wasn't that dumb to put two verses on top of each other that contradict themselves. But there's, there's something more. It's saying, no, it's really hard to deal with foolish people. And it's just, you're kind of in a bind when you're dealing with a fool. But you also need to be led by God's Spirit to know, like, what is the right approach in this situation. And there's so much about God that's like that, that he invites us to the secrets of, and I really believe as we, of his truth and his world. And I, I'm excited over these, these next few weeks as we're looking at some of these paradoxes. That God is wanting to, he's inviting us to seek after some of these hidden truths of his kingdom and to become more the kind of kings that he's called us to be. So actually, I'm going to pray for us before we go any farther. So let's, let's pray together. Father, thank you that you're, you're that kind of God, that you, you conceal things. And you draw us, you, you give us hints and clues. And Lord, may we be the people who, who seek after you. And I pray that, that you would intrigue us today. You would, you would call us more fully into what you have for us. And you would expand us in the process. And we would, we would come to know you and live with your, your kingdom values more fully. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, this week, I, uh, on Thursday night, our family went to Topeka. And my, I've got, there, there's some older people in my family. We affectionately call them the elders. And uh, there's a picture here um, of my, my grandmother's on the left. She and her twin sister on the right, they turn 93 tomorrow. And their little brother, Calvin, was visiting from Texas. He just turned 90 a couple of weeks ago, and he's there with his week. And so we, we went out to dinner with them. And, you know, that's, if you had the math, there's, there's a whole lot of age in the room. And we, our, our family, we really have had this blessing throughout the years of having some older people around, and we affectionately call them the elders, and, you know, there, there's something very different about people that have lived 70, 80, 90 years, um, and 70 and 90 is a very different category, but there's, there's something about that, and we were, it's funny, we took this picture, and I was trying my best to get them to smile, it, it wasn't very easy, <laughs> I was, tried to crack a couple jokes, and I think that just made them more, you know, resistant to that whole thing. Um, but I was, but just being around, you know, we're here with my three-year-old and six-year-old, or not three-year-old, my six-year-old and nine-year-old child, and uh, there's like this contrast between the old and the new. And today we're going to talk about there's, there's good and value in both of those things. Both of those are, are found in God's character, that which is old and that which is new. And he, there's something about the old and the new that is that is good, that he invites us to experience and um, take part in or be intentional about with our lives. There's, there's you know, it's kind of interesting. I was talking to my Uncle Calvin, the 90-year-old, and he's, he told me the story that when he was, he's traveled around the world quite a bit, and when he was back in the 60s, he met, he went to Nepal, and he told me he met a, a holy man there who claimed to be 133 years old. And, you know, I, you know, whether you believe that or not, it's, it's interesting. But he, he actually believed it, because the guy had said that back in, like, 1900, he had been 70 years old, and these 
these Nepalese take a trip when they get to 70 because then they're kind of old enough to really experience life. And so when he was 70, he had visited Texas. And, and that was like 60 years earlier. And so he was telling the story like, wow, is that, is that really true? Just the, the thought of someone that had lived that many years, it kind of does something to your, to your soul, right? You think, wow, there's got to be some wisdom inside of you. Like, I would like to talk to someone who's 133 years old. I mean, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be kind of cool? I'd have a few questions about them. And, you know, there's something in, we're going to just look at the aspects of, of the old and the new. There's something in the old that reflects God's character in a, in a very real way. There's obviously nothing else is as old as God. God has been around since forever. In the beginning, God. One of my favorite names of God is, is in, in Daniel 7.9, he's called the Ancient of Days. We mean, we're going to look at it and uh, move around more than usual today to a number of different passages. But in Daniel 7.9, Daniel has this vision. It says, And I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. And there's this heavenly vision of God, the Ancient of Days, coming into his throne room and taking his seat. And it just kind of does something to you. Wow. The one who's been around forever. That, that is worthy of our worship. Um, you know, not only is, is God ancient, but there are, there are ancient paths. There are tried and true um, ways and wise ways to live that God has placed in the world. And you know, one, of the, one of the idiocies of, of our culture is that we, we sometimes value youth so much and we value being cutting edge and change that we are quick to lose sight of the ancient wisdom that has been passed down from generation to generation. In, in Jeremiah 6.16, we read this. It says, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads, and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. That's interesting. The, the ancient paths is where the good way is. There's ancient wisdom. There are tried and true ways and truths that have been passed down from generation. And the reason they've been passed down is because they're good. Walk in it. And there you'll find rest for your souls. And... And there's something, you know, I, I just love that. And I think one of the, in the whole de- debate in our culture about same-sex marriage, and is that a good thing, should we, should we not do that? One of the best explanations I heard by a pastor for why that's not a good idea is he said, you know, there have been thousands of years of human history across culture where people have said, no, marriage is between a man and a woman, and that's the foundation of society. And that has worked really well as, as a bedrock of, of civilization, bedrock of societies, and culture after culture after culture. And for us to just be so avant-garde, just say, oh, we'll just, yeah, we don't need that anymore. We've got a better way. And that's just really not being very intelligent to consider the wisdom that's been passed down from generation to generation. Um, so there are, you know, wisdom in the ancient past. There are, there are strengths of, of age. We, the Proverbs twenty twenty nine says that the glory of young men is their strength, and the honor of old men is their gray hair. And by, by gray hair, I, the, the writer is talking about wisdom. There's a wisdom that comes with age, or that hopefully comes with age. Um, 
AIDS, can, can, there can be a humility. There can be a recognition of, of our weakness and our, our need for God. Oftentimes, people that have lived longer are, are more realistic. They know what it takes to accomplish something. That it's, it's not just having a dream and it's done, but no, you know, it's, it's, this is gonna, you're going to put some plans and energy and resources if, if this is going to happen. Uh, it's interesting that the leaders in the church, the, the New Testament name for the, 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 those that have the responsibility of, of governing in a local church are called elders. And again, that's because there should be a wisdom that comes, that comes with years. There can also be, this is one of my favorites, there can be a depth in our relationship with God that comes over time. The Apostle Paul was, was writing to different types of people. In 1 John 2.13, he said, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who's from the beginning. He's saying, you know, you, you fathers, you've, you've lived a little longer. You have a, an experience in your relationship with God of knowing him as the one who's from the beginning. That there's, there's a real depth to that, a quality to that. Now, along with strengths, there can also be weaknesses that, that come with age. I'm going to look at this with youth, too, but and we can probably doesn't take much imagination to think about that. As, as we get older, we can get crusty. We can get brittle. We can get not too open to new ideas. You know, it can be hard for my ancestors to smile when they're asked to smile. Um, you know, there can be a skepticism that comes in. It's interesting that it's, it's comparably much more rare for people to come to faith as they get older. There's, we, we tend to get more set in our ways, and this is the way. And so change and growth can become harder for us as we get older. And so there are strengths and weaknesses that, not in, not in God's age, but in, in us, in, in, in the fallen world, what comes with, with age. And, uh, but God is, is not only old, but he's continually new, too. And that's really just mind-boggling when you think about it, that the one who's the ancient of days... He's always fresh. There's always a newness about him. And there's so much in the scripture about this. In Isaiah 43, 19, we read, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? You know, I believe as you, as you look at history, as you look at God's actions in history, God is always doing something new. He's always active. He's always present. He's always involved. He's always doing something fresh and new. In Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, we read, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. His mercies, His love, every morning, they're fresh. Every morning they're new. Great is your faithfulness. And the Bible is just so full of the imagery of, of what is new. There's the new birth. We become Christians through... A new birth is described as a new life. It's the new covenant. We have a new heart, a new soul, a new spirit. There, ultimately, we're going to see new heavens and new earth. God is in the business of, of making things new, of, of renewing things. And that's just amazing that the one who is the Ancient of Days is also continually new. And for us to experience the things of God, we need to be what the Bible calls childlike. Not, not childish, but childlike. To have a, a quality of our, of our thinking that is, that is like a child. And I just 
I want to read in, in Mark chapter 18. Jesus, Jesus talked about this. Not Mark 18. Matthew 18. There's no Mark 18. What am I doing? Mark 18, 2 through 4. Or Matthew 18, 2 through 4. Man. See, it's harder for me to change. I'm past 40. And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. To experience the things of God, we we need to be childlike. There are aspects of, of youthfulness that are essential to walk with God. And what are some of those things? Well, I think some things that are great about youth is they're open to new ideas. They're, you know, oh, that hasn't been done before? So what? Yeah, let's, let's try it out. There's, there's a, a, people can believe more readily. It's amazing that it, upwards of 80% of people who become believers in Jesus do so before the age of 25. And there's something about just the, the heart of a child that is there's a readiness to accept and to trust and be open towards God and to believe other things as, as well. Um, there's... There's, a, there's an idealism. You know, youth, they don't know that things can't be done. It's like, oh, you want to do that? Go to, go to the moon? Okay, let's do it. You know, there's, there's this, this, this idealism that, you know, can get you in trouble, but it also can open up whole new reality as people follow those dreams and those, those possibilities. Um, young people, they, they more naturally know that life is about more than a mortgage and a retirement fund. That, and it's not just about what the Bible calls the cares of life. But there's, no, there's an essence of living that I want to experience and be in on. And, and that's what Jesus is all about, is about bringing us into that, that kind of life too. Um, young people have powerful feelings. And that can be a really good thing. You know, God, God loves the, the passions of our heart. And living with, with all of our heart, loving God with all our heart. That is something that God can, can harness and that can be directed towards God and his, his purpose in, in really powerful ways. Um, there's also a certain quality that, that, youth, that out of youthfulness that we can have in our relationship with God. And back in that same passage in 1 John I read earlier, he said, um, well, for, he said, I have two things. And Sawyer, we need to skip around here. I like throwing Sawyer around. But I write to you, children, because you know the Father. That there's, some way, there's a way that children know their Father that is different than the way older people know the Father. There's, you know, my kids, I'm like in the, in the swimming pool. And I, this is my best experiences as a dad, is sitting in the pool with a kid who can't swim, who's like 18 months or two years old, and they're sitting on the side of the pool and go, hey, Jump to daddy. And they're like, okay. And they just jump. And it's like, wow, let me step back a step. And they might be a little nervous, but they're like, no, dad's right there. Dad's big. He's going to catch me. And they jump. You know, and that's, that's just really cool. And that's, that's really how a lot of our relationship with God is. He's like, hey, I'm here. There's some space between me and you. You don't know, you know, I'm calling you to jump. And you don't know how it's going to work out except that I'm on the receiving end of it. And 
that's a quality of our relationship with God that, that we have to have to, to walk with him. There's also a strength and an energy that God gives to youth that, that is associated with youth. And in that same passage, 1 John 2, 13, he says, I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And there's an energy, a strength, a, a warring spirit that the world needs. And God calls us to. He's put in, put in young people. Now, obviously, there are weaknesses of youth, too. Um, how much time do we have? No. Just going to not spend too much time here. But there can be, what, a, a, an immaturity, a, a foolishness. There can be a recklessness. You know, as a dad with teenage drivers, it's an, your, your insurance rates go up a lot. If you, especially if you have a teenage male on your policy. And that's, there's a reason for that, because that's what happens. There are a lot more accidents with, with young people, especially, especially young men. Um, there can be uh, those same powerful feelings that can be so good can be negative. They can be, you know, the rates of depression and suicide among young, young people are the highest there are. Because it can be hard to know how to manage those same feelings that can be, can be so good. And sometimes it just can be that it's difficult to appreciate the cost of something. It's like, yeah, let's, let's do that, but not really realizing, like Jesus said, no, count the cost. If we're going to do this, it's going to take this investment, this time, this, these resources. Hey, are you really willing to walk that out? And so, you know, young people are infamous for starting projects and not finishing them because they don't know what it, oftentimes haven't learned what it is to count the cost. All right. So there's, there's good in, in the new and the old. And God wants us to walk in both of those things. And so I just want to really bring this together for how do we apply this to our life. How, so that's, those are nice theories. Those are, you know, nice ideas, but, but what do we do this? Well, I just want to give us three things. First thing I want to tell us is to be open to new things. There's, God is always calling us to onwards and upwards. He's calling us into new things. He's calling us to change. He's calling us to expand our way of thinking. And that requires an, an openness on our part to new things. I was earlier this week, I was with, with Sean, who's, who's at Men's Encounter, but he's an 18 year old freshman. We went to this, this great church that, that actually partners with our campus ministry and loves what we're doing. And I've, I've known this church. They're in a small town in Kansas. I've known them since I was a kid. And we're there. And every time I go, they ask, hey, how can we reach our young people? Because they have the typical problem of a lot of churches that as people grow up, they, they fall away from being involved in the church. And, you know, the average age is, is probably upwards of, of 70. And to me, it's, it's pretty obvious. It's like you're doing things the same way you've done them for 70 years. Like this feels like the, the, it's out of the 1940s, this environment. These songs that we're singing, like there, we, there was a hymn singing. Not one of the songs had been written in the last 60 years. And they were really hard to sing. And, and there was, there's a, you know, there's, I love a lot of the older songs. But it's just the whole environment was one in which, man, that is not a place where young people are going to feel comfortable. And you don't need to change your message. Their message is good. But there are some, some outward things that if you would just be able to change those, you'd do a lot more, do a better job of, of reaching young people. And Jesus talked about that in, in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verse 21. 
He said, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins. And the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. Now God is always doing something new. The analogy here is like God is giving new wine. And in the old, in biblical times, wine would be put in a wineskin that was a, a leather pipe. And wine, when it is, when it is fermenting and newer wine, it's, you know, there's a lot of activity. It actually expands. And so you put it in a new, fresh wineskin of, of soft, supple leather because that would have the ability to flex with it. And it would be good. But if you put new wine in old, dry, parched wineskin, then as the wine expanded, it would break open the wineskin, and the wine would spill on the ground. And so God's saying, hey, there's always something new that I'm wanting to do by my spirit, but we have to be open to change. We, our hearts have to be soft and supple and teachable and letting God soften us and work in us and be open to, okay, not just what's comfortable for me right now, but God, what are you wanting to do in me to expand me and to change me? And that may be, you know, that may look very different for us in you know, a different day, different time. But there's, God is always leading us into something new. And the softness of our heart is required to be open to new things. Um, and we could talk so much about that, but that's, that's all I'm going to say today. Be open to new things. The second thing is maximize your current life season. You only live once, right? You're only one. You're only young once. You're only middle-aged once. You're only older once. Now, each, each season of your life, that is a unique season. And so often, we're in one season of our life, not realizing that, no, there is something that God wants to do in my life where I'm at right now. And oftentimes we're kind of wishing we were in some other place. The classic case is when we're single, oftentimes we're wishing that we were married or that we were dating. And oftentimes it's like, God is like, no, you're in a season where there's something, I want to do something unique in your life right now that you can do as a single person, that I can do in your life as a single person. You're not going to be able to do that when you're married. And every season is unique. And God, we, we need all those seasons. The world needs people living all those seasons to the fullest. The church needs people living all those seasons to the fullest. And it's important to identify, where does God have me right now? What's he doing in this season of my life? And how can I partner with him in that? In Titus chapter 2, Paul writes to different categories of people, different people in different seasons of life. And he hits on this in Titus 2, 2 through 6. He says, older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Now there should be a, a dignity, a soundness, a steadfastness of older men that is not present in a 16-year-old. When I was in high school, I, was, I think I was 15 or 16, our, our family took this amazing trip in the summer, and we went through Russia 
And there were a bunch of tours around. And this, this, this encounter, this guy I met, has stuck in my mind for the rest of my life. Because there was a group of American tourists. And of course, American tourists tend to be loud and obnoxious wherever you go. But this was a man, he was probably in his late 60s, white-haired, and he was dressed like a teenager. He had like these baggy red shorts on and a t-shirt, and he was wearing Air Jordans, and he was walking around, and he was like trying to be cool, and talking loud and brash and like using teenage jargon, and it was just so wrong. (laughs) I mean, it was so wrong. I was like, oh my goodness. That is just not right. There's something not right about this picture. And you could tell, like, he, he hadn't really grown up. He hadn't owned, he was, like, you know, missing his youth or something. But he didn't realize, no, this is a season of my life, at least different than when I was 17. And there was, there was something great for his life, but he was missing out on it because he was trying to be in a different season of life. It, it goes on, it says, Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves. To much wine. They are to teach what is good. I, re- I was looking this over this morning with my wife, Reagan, and she happened to see that. Older women are not to be slaves to much wine. And she said, it says much wine. <laughs> it's okay to be slaves to a little bit of wine, right? <clears throat> um, they're slaves, not slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, to train, and it goes on, to train the younger women, to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled pure, working at home, kind. And then it, then it says in verse, um, verse 6, Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. He goes on. You know, there are seasons of our life that God wants us to maximize that season of our life and fully enter into it. Now, that may defy some stereotypes. You know, I just told the story of that old guy in Russia, but the, he wasn't even that old, but older. But some of my heroes in the Bible are people that they were young or they were old, but they, they maximized what they were supposed to, you know, what older people or younger people were supposed to do, but they weren't limited by some of the weaknesses or dangers of, of that part, of, of that part of time in life. Um, Caleb is one of my favorite heroes in the Bible. You know, he was 85 years old, and Israel was coming back to the promised land to take the land that God had promised them. And there were a bunch of nations there, and it was a, it was a, they, were, they had to drive them out with their army. And Caleb was 85 years old. He was the only guy of his generation to live because 45 years earlier, he had been the only one who had faith in God to say, yes, God can give us this land if we trust him. But only everyone but one other person, Joshua, said, no, it's too big and too hard. And so his whole generation died off, and now he's coming back to the land. And you think, like, he's an honorable older guy, and they should be, like, you know, taking care of him. He's, he's 85, for crying out loud. But he came to, to Joshua, the leader, and he said, you know what? Will you give me that hill country that's the most difficult country to take? Because I'm, I'm 85, but I'm still as strong as I was when I was 40. And I want to take the toughest land that there is. And so, sure enough, he did. And so he was maximizing that season of his life. Timothy's another guy on the other end of the spectrum. He was a young man. But he was leading churches in in Asia Minor. And Paul wrote to him and he said, Hey, Timothy, you're young, but don't let anyone look down on your youth. But be an example. Set an example in your words. In the way you talk. 
in your life, in your conduct. Don't let your youth be an excuse. But no, instead, rise up and, and maximize the season of life that you're in and show that, hey, being young doesn't keep you from serving God in powerful ways and even, even leading in powerful ways. And so we can maximize the season of life that we're in. And then the, the third thing, the last thing I'm going to talk about, how to, to, to apply this to our life, is to connect with other generations. We need other generations in our life. And, you know, that's really one, I believe, one of the schemes of the enemy in our culture especially, but other places too, but it's the, the whole generation gap. It's to, to separate generations so much. And you know, a few years ago, I, or not too, a couple of years or two ago, some of you probably saw that there was a, a K-State anthropology class where part of the research was some students lived in a retirement community for a semester with senior citizens. I thought, man, that's really cool. Like, here you got college students living in a retirement community. And they, they talked about how much they received from that experience. And one of the core values of Lumont is that joined generations go farther. Joined generations go farther. That it's not just about what can I do with my life, but how can I connect with other generations? You know, if I'm on the older end of the spectrum, then, man, I need to find someone else to pass on what, the wisdom that God's put in my life so that I can maximize my life and extend God's kingdom through my life. And if I'm on the younger end of the spectrum, man, I need to find people that have more experience, people that have more maturity, people that have more wisdom, and hang out with them, spend time with them, pick their brain, learn for them, build, build relationships with them, because joint generations go farther. And that's really the way that God's kingdom is advanced. It's from one generation to another. One generation taking the truths of the faith and passing it on to the next generation. That happens over and over and over again. But when it doesn't happen, things, things get lost, like the, like the church I talked about that I, I visited earlier. One of our favorite verses is 2 Timothy 2.2 that says, The things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, in the presence of older people, probably. Take those and pass them on to faithful people in the next generation so that they can pass it on to others, too. And our lives, we get a richness, and we come into everything that God has for us as our lives are connected with other generations. So, this is what I got for us today. We need the young, we need the old, we need the, the new, we need the old. God is, God is in all of that. And as we, as we understand and apply these things, we can, we can be those sorts of kings. That, that expand God's kingdom through our life. So, um, that's some things to chew on. We're going to have another song now. The worship team is going to come on up and going to worship God together. So, why don't you go ahead and let's, let's stand up and worship God. <laughs>